discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. It says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything he is, that is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boatim as Christ is magnified in you. I'm sharing on the vocabulary of salvation. The vocabulary. The vocabulary of salvation. In other words, the terminologies that accompany salvation. Okay? There are so many terms in the Bible. So many terms. And there are some that are unique. Unique with respect to, to salvation. Hallelujah. This is the, is the study of the doctrine of salvation. Some people call it uh, soteriology. You know, the Greek word for salvation is soteria. Okay? Soteria. Soteria. And soteria means salvation, basically. To deliver from, from trouble into peace. To bring into health. You know, those things. Hallelujah. The salvation is an all-encompassing word. You know, we have to really understand our salvation. If we don't understand our salvation and what it means, it will be taken away from us by individuals. Okay? Look at Colossians chapter 2 from verse 1. Let's look at Colossians chapter 2 from verse 1. There's a strong attempt by many people to explain certain scriptures in the Bible and in the attempt to explain those scriptures, they have erred and they are taking people's salvation away from them. Hallelujah. So God would have you have a clear understanding concerning salvation so that you don't end up in trouble. And also so that you can help others. Okay? With the scriptures. Just for I would, I would that you knew what great conflict I have for you. And for them at Laodicea. And for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh. Says I have great conflict. I have great desire. I want to see you. Next verse. So that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love, and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding. Just when I come, I'll bring you into a full assurance of understanding. To the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ. Actually, what he's trying to say is, if you read the Amplified, the Amplified will let you know that he's talking about the acknowledgement of the mystery of God, which is the mystery of Christ. Have you seen it? He says, for my concern is that their hearts may be braced, comforted, cheered, and encouraged as they are knit together in love, that they may come to have all the abounding wealth and blessings of a short conviction of understanding, and that they may become progressively more intimately acquainted with and may know more definitely and accurately and thoroughly that mystic secret of God, which is Christ, the anointed one. Now, someone read the one in King James and said that there, there's a mystery. Go back to King James. Have you seen what, what the Amplified is saying? 
It says that the mystic secret of God, which is Christ. But someone read the one in King James and said that there's the mystery of God, there's the mystery of the Father, and there's the mystery of Christ. Have you seen it? That's how it looks like. It's like, oh, to the acknowledgement that you get to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God, comma, and of the Father, comma, and of Christ. So it's as though the mystery of God is different from the mystery of the Father, and it's also different from the mystery of Christ. But it's a mistake. Because if you read through other scriptures, you never see a place where they've written the mystery of God. The mystery of God is the mystery of Christ. And the mystery of Christ is the mystery of the church. I hope you understand. Uh-huh. So, the people are reading things and saying, like, like, it's not nice. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not, it's not nice at all. The, the word salad type of people, they're always putting, trying to put some words together to, to make things sound in a certain way. Look at the next verse. You see, so he, he, he says, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of, of, of God and of the Father and of Christ, then he says, Christ in whom? I had all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Christ is the one in whom all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden. So there's nothing else that you can find outside of Christ. Whatever it is that you want to find in life, find in the scriptures. If you find it outside of Christ, you have made a very big mistake. If you try to find it through zodiac signs, through um, cosmological Scientological things, reading other books. Yesterday, someone told me that you have to read the Bible is like a polytank, and you need tubes to be able to connect to the polytank. And the tubes that connect to the polytank are other books. So, in order to understand the Bible, you need to read other books. But what is your? Why don't you enter the polytank yourself? Or what do you think? In Christ, I hate all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Just read your Bible. Okay? And pray to God for understanding. And the Bible is not a, it's not a mass book. It's not a science book that you need to understand immediately. There are things you read in the Bible that you will not understand immediately. Leave them alone. Just go on with your life. With time, the Holy Spirit will bring understanding to your spirit. As simple as that. There's no need to rush and push and it's not something you think about to decode. There are a lot of things in the Bible you will not understand. What do you think about what I'm saying? How many of you know God? Oh, you know God. Lift your hand. It's like you don't know God. You know God, right? Yeah. Yeah, you don't know what, whether to answer. It's a very tricky question. <laughs> you have trust issues. Listen, you know God, though. You know God, but it is not everything about God that you understand. Or else he will not be God. You understand? If you understand everything about the one you call God, then you are God. Then it means you can advise him and you can change his mind. I hope you understand. He must be mysterious in order to be God. It is part of the classification of being God. <laughs> there are things that happen in eternity that we don't know about because we know we know things about time. So the Bible says that there are things that are hidden. It says the things that are revealed are for us and our children. But the things that are covered 
I forgot. I hope you understand. Uh-huh. So, there are people asking so many questions. You know, so many questions. If God loves, loves us, why is it that he's going to put some people in the lake of fire? If you are a judge, does Ghana have prisons? Do we have prisons? Are you sure we have prisons? Who are those, did we design the prisons with some people in mind? No, we did. We designed it for, with some people in mind. Not specific people in mind, but with some people in mind. The category of people is are, are, it's like, if you steal, if you rape, if you, what, kill, if you, if you murder, someone said if you commit suicide. Please, if you commit suicide, you are not here. We can't add you to it. <laughs> hey, what a shock. If you do various things, like, there are various things that, there are categories, isn't it? Uh-huh. But we don't have any specific person in mind. If the person ends up there, the person ended up there because of his choices. His choices. He's held responsible for his choices. Is that too hard to understand? So the lake of fire is there. God is the judge of the universe. The lake of fire is not for people. Even hell was not made for human beings. Hell was made for the devil and his angels. That's what the Bible says. God is the judge of the universe. And he must punish like any other judge would. If someone goes off. But he didn't start off pointing out who it is that will go off. That all of you here. You are all of you. You are foolish people. You are going to end up in hell and hence lake of fire. But those here, I like them. Look at their faces. They are so nice. <laughs> so all of you will be in heaven. These people, they, I don't know. I, I suspect you. So eventually, we are all ending up in, in hell. No, then why are, we, why are we doing all that we are doing? It means that everything is just, it's like we are just acting. We are robots. Because he knows all that is going to happen already with respect to whoever. Do you understand? Then why are we, why? Why are we wasting our time? Why are we preaching the gospel? Why should we preach the gospel? Because God already knows who, who it is that will be saved. Yeah, he should show us those who are going to heaven so that we'll just look for them. When we come, we'll look into the, the town. Heaven. Okay, come. All of you, Charlie, there's a good news for you. You're all going to heaven. I said Jesus Christ, a lot of personal saying we are powerful. Let's go. Then we'll leave the rest. The rest, Monday will fight. All of you. There's nothing like that. You see, as soon as you see, it says, in whom I hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Next verse. Look at the next verse. And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. Beguile you. You don't understand beguile. It's like, beguile, beguile. That's what beguile they That's not what he's saying, okay? That is why you need to, you need to read the Bible with a dictionary. And you need to have other versions. If you don't understand it here, just move to the other one and read. As simple as that. Don't come and give us a new revelation. The beguiling of the beguiler. You don't understand. The beguiling, the beguiler, and the beguiled. 
So Amplified will let you understand. He says, I say this in order that no one... He says, I'm saying that in Christ I had all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge so that no one may mislead and delude you. So beguile means to mislead and delude you by plausible and persuade. Do you understand plausible? Reasonable. Let me say this is a plausible option. It makes sense. Reasonable. It says, by, delude you by plausible and persuasive and attractive arguments. And beguile, you know, he couldn't but use beguile again. Beguiling speech. Uh, this one is NLT. It says, I'm telling you this so no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. Because they are well-crafted, very well-crafted arguments. People are saying things. Hallelujah. So you need to, you really need to be very careful as a child of God with who you are listening to. You see, the internet is not the place of salvation. Your Bible is the place of salvation. Read your Bible. You don't have to read things on the internet. You met someone on the internet, a person is saying something, that is it. You have made that thing, that information change your life. When the, Bible, the person is not saying things that are in the Bible. Or the person is saying things that are not consistent with the body of revelation that the scriptures present. Salvation is under attack. Yes, serious. Jesus is under attack. The name of Jesus is under serious attack. The cross of Christ is under serious attack. The blood of Christ is under serious attack. All kinds of things. So I'm, try, I'm just trying to help you understand some of the terms that um, come to salvation. So that when it comes to terms like predestination, foreknowledge, election, um, justification, righteousness, sanctification, um, adoption, redemption. What adoption is there? Propitiation, glorification, sanctification. Consecration, reconciliation, all these traditions that are in the Bible. You understand, you have a clear understanding of them so that when someone is putting them together and uh, saying something, you know, the reconciliation of the Lord brings the righteousness of the glory of the Lord for the redemption of the people of God. You, you hold on, what, what did you say? Reconciliation, redemption, you have put a lot of things together so that you, we will understand it very well. What do you think what I'm saying? Uh-huh. So, the, the vocabulary of salvation, the technology of salvation, uh, begins from something called origination, okay, and terminates in glorification. Now, in between origination, this term called origination and this term called glorification are several terms, okay? There are several terms here. There are these 12, 12 terms, at least. 12 terms that are in between origination and then glorification. So I want us to pick the very first one, which is origination. Let's just dive into it, okay? So the first term or the first vocabulary we are going to understand is origination. Now, you may not find the word origination in the Bible, but origination um, lets us know where our salvation came from. You understand origins? Origin means where it hailed from, where it came from, how it came. I hope you understand. Where it came from. Was our salvation something that was thought of, thought of by God uh, 2,000 years ago when Christ came to die? Is it something that God thought of in eternity? 
These are questions I want us to answer this morning. Now, origination, okay, implies eternity. So we are talking about eternity now. What did God plan before time began? Did he plan salvation? Emphatically, yes. So our salvation was planned in eternity before time began. You know time is a creation. How many of you know time is, a, is creation? Time is a creation. Just like human beings are creations from God. And trees are also creations from God. Time is also a creation of God. Time is something God made. If I made time, that means I'm outside of time. Isn't it? So eternity is outside of time. So we have talked, all that I'm going to talk about now are things that God decided before time began. Before Genesis 1-1. Okay? So the first thing I said is that our salvation, salvation as we have it, was planned in eternity before time began. Okay? You need to understand that. Salvation originates from eternity. Now, there are several words that were planned in eternity. Or there are several things that God planned in eternity. The first word that is in origination with respect to eternity and our salvation. Do you understand? Is there a word salad? It's not a word salad. Do you understand what I'm saying? There are terms that define our salvation as planned by God in eternity. Okay? The first one, so under origination, the first term I want us to look at is the decree of God. The decree. Say decree. decree. The decree of God. The decree of God. In the decree of God are two things. The decree of God is by virtue of his will and by virtue of his counsel. So whatever God said in eternity is based on his will and is based on his counsel or his wisdom. Uh So salvation is according to the will of God. How many of you have will? Did you choose the shirt you are wearing or your shirt chose you? You chose that. Do you have any reason why you chose the dress? You have any reason? What is your reason? Why did you why did you choose your shirt? I just chose it. I just like it. You just chose it. You just liked it and you chose it. How about you? Same thing, Daddy. How about you? No reason. Are you sure? You just chose it. Were there other clothing in there? Yes. Is this the only dress you wear for the rest of your life? But you just chose, and this is not the only dress you bring on to, to church on Sundays. I mean, you have so many dresses you bring to church on Sundays, isn't it? But what made you choose this particular shirt today? Why did you decide to choose to, this on 28th? 28th April 2019. Why? Anybody, can, can anybody give me an answer? I wanted to wear blue today, and the weather is hot. <laughs> but don't you have other blue dresses? This shade of blue. This shade of blue, no. So you decided to choose this one. So it's basically by your, your choice. You, you chose. You, with your will, decided that I'll choose. So God also has will. God also has will. And our salvation started because God willed it. I want salvation. I like salvation. I want salvation to happen. Do you have a problem with that? How many of you have a problem with that? 
Ask your neighbor, do you have a problem with that? What did he say? You don't have a problem. Can someone ask you, why, why is it that you have won this shirt? Why, why? You, the question you ask the person is, why do you have a problem? Is it your shirt? Is it on your body? Or? Is it on your body? Are you the one wearing it? So why are you talking plenty? Do you get it? I mean, nobody should be able to come and question you concerning what you have chosen to wear. Uh-huh. So you can't also ask God questions concerning why he chose to go by something called salvation. Do you understand? Uh, beginning to question that is your, your foolishness, is your stupidity. It's just like someone following you everywhere. Why are you wearing this dress? Why are you wearing this dress? Why are you wearing this dress? You are not wise at all. Why are you wearing this dress? You like wearing this dress too much. Is it your problem? Why didn't you choose the other dress? Or your dresses are following you and telling you, why didn't you choose me? Why, you are a very bad person. Why didn't you choose me? You can't do that. Are you getting me? So this particular understanding should, should form a foundation for you. In, in, when, you want, when you think like questioning God. You see, it is kings that give decrees. And you can't ask the king why he, why he has said what he has said. Look at Ezra chapter 1 from verse 1. Cyrus just woke up one day and gave a decree concerning the house of God. Hmm? Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, that he make a proclamation. Other versions say a decree. He made a decree, he gave a decree throughout all of his kingdom and put it also in writing saying, this is his will. Nobody can question the king's will. If you check the scriptures, you see so many decrees that were given by kings. Check the book of Daniel. You see so many. So a king has the liberty to give a decree. God is king. He has liberty to give a decree concerning what he wants. And his decree is an expression of his will. His decree is his will. And his decree is his counsel. Is his wisdom. It's a reflection of his wisdom. Okay. So let's... Um, look at some definitions in the Bible, okay? So let's define this particular thing, first of all. The decree of God. The decree of God. I hope you understand origination. Origination is eternity. How things began. Huh. And in origination with respect to salvation began by the decree of God in eternity according to his will and according to his counsel. Hallelujah. So the decree of God, okay, is God's eternal purpose. Write this one. You need to write it. You need to write it, okay? The decree of God is God's eternal purpose. So it is God's what? Eternal purpose according to the counsel of his will. I've seen that these two terms are coming in. According to the counsel of his will, it is God's eternal purpose. According to the counsel of his will, whereby for his own glory, whereby for his own glory, it is God's eternal purpose. The decree of God is God's eternal purpose. According to the counsel of his will, whereby for his own glory for his own glory remember that for his own glory hmm? <laughs> you knew the address you are wearing will make you new clients isn't it it will make you come out in a certain way i mean it to go with your lipstick you check i mean you don't you do all those things you check 
when I check this one, check this one, check this one, you, you, you just said that, that, that this particular shade of blue and the way it is will let you feel free and flow as you are supposed to, isn't it? Yeah, so you, it's for your glory. You designed it for, come, you are looking very nice. Come, let's, let's showcase you today. Come on. Is she not looking nice? So she planned that she would look nice by wearing this blue dress and having this headgear on. Is she not looking nice? Her looking nice is her glory. Uh-huh. So God also does things for, his, for him to look nice. Do you have a problem with that? Don't you want God to look nice? Don't you want her to look nice? Uh-huh. So for her to look nice, she has plans. She planned. She foreplanned. Probably you even planned this dress two days ago. Yeah, I picked my clothes a week before. I like this girl. A week before. I mean, there are guys who pick it in the morning. When they just, they just go, hey, pop, 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 and then they are gone. Shop. Even today, you just picked it this morning. What a shock. Thank you very much. You may take your seat. Hallelujah. So, for God's glory, eh? For God's glory, for God's outlook, for God's outshining and beauty and perfection, he decides that I want this one, I want this one, I want this one. And then he puts it together. Ask your neighbor, do you have a problem with that? Uh So the decree of God, eh? (laughs) I'm trying to make it very simple for you to understand. The decree of God is God's eternal purpose. According to the counsel of his will, Whereby for his own glory, he foreordains. He foreordains whatsoever comes to pass. He foreordains whatsoever comes to pass. All these words are words we are going to talk about. All the, almost all the words we have used in there, we are going to explain them. Okay? It is God's eternal purpose according to the counsel of his will. Whereby for his own glory... He foreordains whatsoever comes to pass for his own glory. It's for his own glory. Remember that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And this definition was given by a certain group called the Westminster Shorter Catechism. <laughs> the definition I just gave you is a definition that was given by a certain group of theologians. Okay? who sat down to think about what we are thinking about now. Westminster, um, during the, the 15th century, 1616, between, is it 16, uh, 16 and 1665, they produced a lot of theologians who did a lot of uh, research work through the scriptures and gave statements that are categorical concerning the scriptures. Like they gave short something to, for you to be able to re- use to remember what the scriptures say. So the thing I give to you is something they quaint to give us an understanding of the scriptures concerning God's origination, the origination of God concerning salvation and other things. I hope you understand. Uh-huh. It's called Westminster. Westminster is in UK, or you don't know? Westminster, not Westminster. Westminster. So it's called Westminster Shorter Catechism. Okay, you don't need to write it. Don't worry. The decree of God's, God's eternal purpose according to the counsel of his will, whereby for his own glory he foreordains whatever comes to pass. Hallelujah. So let's look at this particular definition as well. The will of God. His will. Say his will. 
Ephesians 1.5. Now we can have some scriptures. Ephesians 1.5. Remember, we are talking about salvation. Not any other thing, okay? His will. Ephesians chapter 1. We are going to read from verse 5 to verse 11. Let's read from verse 3 so that we can understand it more, okay? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. According as he has chosen us in him. Who is Paul writing to? Writing to Ephesians. Are they born again? Okay, go to verse 1. Let's go to verse 1 so that we understand it very well. You should understand when uh, scriptures are referring to Christians and when they are referring to people who are not born again. Okay? Now, you realize that all the things you are going to talk about is with reference to Christians. It's reference to the church. The rules that govern the church are different from the rules that govern those who are not in the church. What do you think? I mean, I can make you sit down. But if someone is walking out there, I can't tell him, sit down on the street. Why would I do that? But if you are here, you are in these four corners, and you want to get out and go, and I'll tell you, I tell you, come back and come and sit down. I can get, if you say you will not come, I can get ushers to catch you and tie you to the, to the chair. And you'll be fine, isn't it? You can be angry with me, but you, you can control your anger when you go home. But not here. I hope you understand. So the, the, the rules that govern the church is different from the rules that govern those outside. That's what I, you need to really understand that. Because some of the terms that are used, it stands for salvation. People who are in. Not for those who are outside. So look at this one. It says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints. Who are the saints? A saint is someone who is set apart, sanctified. Isn't it? How did he become a saint? He became a saint to the new birth. So he's writing to people who are children of God. To the saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Next verse. Grace be to you, children of God, who are in Ephesus. And now you. Ephesus, the church has become... The, Ephesus is now uh, is, uh, Turkey. Okay? Turkey is ancient Ephesus. You know Turkey, not the one you roasted last night. I'm talking about the country called Turkey. Uh, Istanbul, Turkey. Okay? So those people are not there anymore. He's, he's writing this to us, to you and I, as children of God. He says, Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us, Christians, with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Have you seen it? Next verse. According as he has chosen us, who is he talking to? Christians. So the choosing is who? Christians, according as he has chosen us in him, before the foundation of the earth, of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him. In love, next verse, verse, verse 5, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by himself, by Jesus Christ himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Who is he talking to? He's talking to Christians. He says, when you become a child of God, as soon as you become a child of God, okay, God has designed you. Go back, please. He has predestinated you unto the adoption of children. I'm going to, predestinated is something we are going to talk about. Adoption we are going to talk about. Okay? But our, our focus is the pleasure of his, the will, his will, for now. Okay? He says, because you are a child of God, God had predestinated you unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself. And it is according to the good pleasure of his will. So God decided, just like the lady chose the dress, God decided that you, 
before the foundations of the earth, that you become a child of God and be for my glory, be for my praise, be for my, my excellence and my niceness. That information is not given to those who are outside of the church. It's given to those who are inside of the church. So immediately, he's talking to Christians. That's why I asked you, who's he talking to? You say Christians. When you become a Christian, then we can give you this information. But this information is not for those who are outside. So your choosing begins in salvation. Do you understand? Yeah. Uh-huh. The reason why I'm, I'm talking like this is because some people are saying that God knows all those who will be saved already. Because he chose those who will be saved before the foundations of the earth. And that's how they've read the scripture. But this, that's not how the scripture is read. That's not what he's saying. So now that you are in, we will let you know that, hey, you were predestinated by God already. According to the good pleasure of his will. To be adopted into the image of a son. Go to the next verse. Verse 6. To the praise. You are to the praise. To Christians, not to others. To the praise of his grace. The grace of God has praises. The grace of God has his praises. So he says he chose you to the praise of the glory of his grace. Wherein he has made us accepted in the beloved. These are powerful things. Next verse. Verse 7. In whom we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. The grace of God has riches as well. It has praises, it has glory, and it has riches. The grace of God has praises, it has glory, and it has riches. Wherein he has abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. Verse 9. Having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to the good pleasure which he has purposed in himself. So God purposed in himself long time that all those who be born again, are those he's going to use to do his beautiful things that he wants to do. All those who will be born again. Not, you see, so salvation is for everybody because you can't, you, you see, you can't read this and say that, oh, he knows those who are going to be born again already. It will defeat Romans chapter 10. Because between Romans chapter 9 and chapter 11, that you will use to say that uh, God, God has already chosen some people and all that. In between the two is Romans chapter 10. And Romans chapter 10 is generic. It's for everybody. Go to Romans chapter 10. Let's read from verse 8. But what's here? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Verse 9. That if thou shalt confess, the word of faith which we preach, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, thou shalt be saved. Isn't it? Next verse, verse 10. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Verse 11. For the scripture says, Whosoever. Which one don't, don't you? When we say whosoever, what does it mean? What does whosoever mean? Everybody. Not even one excluded, isn't it? Is it true? Are you sure it's true? You've gone to school, right? So you understand whosoever. Whosoever means whosoever. If I come here and I say, okay, whosoever will run to the, to the, to the stage first will get 5,000 Ghana cities. Did I say some people? I said whosoever. That means that I've left it to your will and to your speed and to your aggression. 
not to my discretion. For the scripture says, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Next verse. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord of our is rich upon all that call upon him. All that call upon him. Next verse. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Have you seen it? Did you say, is it, is it not saying whosoever? How about John 3, 16? For God so loved the world. Did you say some people in the world? For God so loved the world. That is why he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him. So, you see, the foreordination of God concerning the blood of Christ and salvation. Okay? is for all. When you cross that path and come in, then he has planned and has a will concerning your life for the glory of his grace, for the praise of his grace, and for the riches of his grace. How difficult is that to understand? How difficult is it to understand that one? Everything starts when you are born again. Before you are born again, God has one foreordination for you and has one plan for you to become born again. When you become born again, then he has a foreordination for you and has a will concerning you to be adopted after the image of his son. So it is with reference to Christians, not to outsiders. Don't let it be for outsiders. No, it's not for outsiders. So someone will tell you that, oh, God has already chosen those who will choose. It's a very big lie. If he has, what was the criteria he used to choose? I'm going to show you. Let's go on. Are you here? Okay, so uh, let's go down. You can jump to verse 11 so that we don't read too much. In whom also we have obtained, in who? In Christ. In Christ. Not outside of Christ. In Christ. We have obtained an inheritance. Being predestinated. Where? It's not in Christ. The predestination is in Christ, not outside of Christ. Being in whom we also, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. It's in Christ, not outside of Christ. Please, do you understand? So what are we saying? The decree of God concerning salvation. Okay? originated from eternity and he did it according to his will and according to his counsel so you can't ask him questions concerning why he decided that it should be for those who are in Christ okay you can't ask God questions you see the counsel of his will God's counsel expresses God's wisdom he's in this place he says he did it. He worked all things after the counsel of his own will. All things, not just salvation, all things after the counsel of his own will. How is it? Huh. The counsel of God's will is, is you see, human beings will make a decision today. Tomorrow they'll say, Oh, this one that I made, no, 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 I shouldn't have. You see, it's a clear expression of your foolishness. Wisdom <laughs> is choosing the right thing the first time, all the time. And not regretting in the future. So God does not regret his decisions. Are you getting it? Uh-huh. God's counsel, the counsel of God's will is immutable. Do you understand immutable? Someone should check the dictionary. You don't understand immutable. 
The counsel, of, the counsel of God is to prove that God is consummately wise and cannot be upgraded in any way. <laughs> he cannot be upgraded in any way. He never reforms his plans and purposes. His plans are immutable. God has no past or future. You know that God does not have any past or future. God foreknows all things. Therefore, God's decree is eternal. Is efficacious and immutable. Hmm? Efficacious and immutable. Is eternal. So God is not like you that you say that, oh, Charlie, I shouldn't have eaten that food because it's causing me to run now. God cannot run. He can't have run too. So if the food he was eating, I'm just giving you an example. If the food he was eating was poisoned, he foreknew that he was poisoned. And because he foreknew that he was poisoned, he's made plans to neutralize the poison so that he will not have rancid. So you can't advise him. As he's eating the poison, you can't say, hey, you're eating poison. He foreknew and therefore made plans to curb that thing in order not to be affected in the future. Because he doesn't have future. He doesn't have past. He is constant. God is constant. God is, God is constant. You can't change his mind. Your prayer does not change God's mind, actually. Your prayer lets you access what God has already planned for you. <laughs> so you can't say you don't pray. It's a prayer that will cause you to access what God has already planned. You can't say God has already planned it. So No, your will is, in, your will is involved. Just as God has a will. You too, you have a will. So your will is involved in whatever God has said. Okay? Okay, so let's go on. Let's... Someone will, say, someone will talk about the sovereignty of God. We'll talk about the sovereignty of God soon. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. If you understand what I've said so far, then let's go to the next definition. The second definition is foreknowledge. B. So A is decree. Okay? B is what? Foreknowledge. Have you seen this, this particular word in the Bible before? Foreknowledge. God has foreknowledge. What is foreknowledge? Foreknowledge means to know beforehand. To know beforehand. To know experientially. To know beforehand and to know experientially. Hallelujah. Remember, we are talking about salvation, right? Okay. Foreknowledge. To know beforehand. Let's read Acts chapter 15 verse 18. Acts 15, 18. Hallelujah. Known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world. <laughs> all his works are known. He says, known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world. So, since the world began, he knows what, he knows his works. It's not everything that is his works. He knows his works. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Okay, so when it comes to salvation, did God know what did God know about salvation? What did God foreknow about salvation? Remember, salvation is something that he, he purposed in himself according to his will, according to his counsel before eternity or in eternity. Okay? It's according to his will. So, what is his foreknowledge? What did he know concerning salvation? He knew everything concerning salvation. He knew about Jesus' death before it happened. And he knew it not when Adam sinned. He knew it in eternity. 
Are you seeing it? He knew it in eternity. So you ask me, hey, does that mean that God knew that Adam was sin? What do you think is the answer? He foreknows everything. So he knew that Adam would do the wrong thing. So why did he put Adam there? Because Adam has choice. And he would not want to have a robot as his friend and as his love. How many of you want a wife that is a robot? No emotions. It just responds to you. Whatever. Even, what, even if what you are saying is not correct, you say yes. Yes, yes, sir. Do you want that? Do you want a beloved who's, who always says yes? <laughs> you should want a beloved who says no, says no sometimes. That is not love. Oh, hallelujah. So God knew. God knew what Adam would do. And he knew what he would do if Adam should do this. If Adam had not eaten the tree, God knew what he would do as well. However, in God knowing what will happen if he does not eat it, he knew that he would eat it. Are you getting it? He knew that he would eat it. But for his glorification, for his niceness and his beauty, okay, he planned beforehand that no matter what Adam does, Adam's work will not annul his beauty at the end of the day. Do you understand? You know that this dress that you are choosing to give to this person to iron for you will get bent. The guy will bend it. Does that mean that you never wear a dress again in your life? You still wear a dress, isn't it? If he bends this one, we have more dresses, so we'll still go. Please, do you understand? So, foreknowledge. Hmm. Let's look at places where God knew. Of course, God knows all things. He's all-knowing. But there are categorical examples in the Bible that are mentioned. Okay? Concerning things that God foreknew. God foreknows everything, but there are specific things that God foreknew. I just mentioned one for you, which is Christ's death. Acts chapter 2, verse 23. Look at Acts 2, 23. Can you read it to me? One, to go. Okay, let's read from 22 so that we understand. We don't know who it is that you are talking about. One to go. Jesus of Nazareth, among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. Ye have taken, and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. Have you seen it? Who who foreordained that Christ would die? He says, Him, Christ, being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. By the determinate counsel, the counsel of His will. It was according to the counsel of His will. In eternity, He planned it in eternity, not now. Okay? And foreknowledge of God. He knew what would come, so He planned it. What is his plan concerning Christ's death? His plan concerning Christ's death was, is that when you, you, you accept Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, you pass out from the judgment of sin and become part of his elect. The word to become part of the elect, the word church means elect. The word church is from the Greek word ecclesia. 
Ecclesia means elects, the called out ones or the chosen out ones. Chosen out from where? Chosen out from amongst the world. How are they chosen out? Is it that God decided that, okay, you and you and you and you and you will be born again? No. It is according to all those who receive Christ. And receiving Christ is a choice on the person that is reliant on the person. Or you didn't choose to accept Christ. Did you choose to accept Christ? You chose to accept Christ, isn't it? So everybody must also be given the opportunity to hear the word of God and choose Christ for himself. Or else there will not be any basis for condemning those who did not choose Christ. If I didn't give you a choice and I'm destroying you, you will have a cause to say that, why are you destroying me? After all, I did what you told me to do. You brought me to not choose Christ. And I did not choose Christ. So why are you condemning me? Why are you destroying me? Go to John chapter 3, verse 16. I hope I'm explaining it well for you. I'll give you an opportunity to ask questions, okay? For God's will have the word that, is, that, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him, remember, whosoever believeth in him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. Verse 17. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world. The word condemn is crisis, which means to judge the world. But that the world through him might be saved. Next verse. The world, though, not some people in the world, the world through him might be saved. When he says the world, he's not talking about the trees and the stars and the wood and the rivers. Those things mean nothing if they are no human beings. So he's talking about human beings, okay? And this is a condemnation. This is the judgment. The word condemnation is what? It's crisis, which is judgment, isn't it? Is it true? Check your Greek. You see that you've written crisis. It's crisis. So you see the pastor is not lying. So you can read it this way, this this way. And this is the judgment. Is Christ not judgment? This is the judgment. That light is come into the world. And men loved darkness rather than light. Men love darkness. Men. Did he say God ordained that men should love darkness? Is that what he said? Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Their deeds, not the deeds that God worked through them to work evil. No, their deeds. God is giving them a responsibility. That is why he is going to judge them for not choosing him. He says, light is coming to the world. But men, because men love, rather love darkness eh, than light, because of their deeds. Next verse, verse 20. Everyone that doeth evil hated the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be approved. This, he says, this is the condemnation. That light is come, and men love darkness. Who is the light? Jesus is the light. So everybody is given a choice. And everybody must hear the gospel. Everybody must hear the gospel. Now, remember, when the Christ died 2000, about 2,000 years ago, it's not yet 2,000. It will be 2,000 years in 2030. Jesus died when he was more than 30 years old. Jesus was born in AD 0. AD 0. When he turned 1, he became AD 1. When he turned 2, AD 2. We are, AD, we are in AD 2019. So Christ died at age 33 and a half. So it will be 2,000 years since Christ's death. AD 2033 and a half. Are you seeing it? Okay. So it's not yet 2,000 years at all. So Christ died almost 2,000 years ago. And when he died... <laughs> Okay, go to, 
Go back to Romans chapter 10, where we're reading. Let's read from verse 12 once again, okay? Romans 10, 12. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. Upon him. Have you seen it? Next verse. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Next verse. How then shall they call on him in whom they are? You see, it's the same Bible. Same Bible. Look at what he's saying. He says, how then shall they call on him? For for them to access God's foreordained plan and will concerning them being part of the elect. He says, how shall they call on him? People who are not born again call on him in whom they have not believed. If they don't believe in him, they will have a reason to say that I didn't believe in him. So what is all this? I saying it. Says, how shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in whom of, they, of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? So this is how it works. A preacher must preach for them to hear, then believe, then they will be saved. When the preacher preaches and they hear it, so the preacher must make sure he's preaching to, for them to hear. That's the preacher's job. So out of those of us who have who are born again have, are now for Christ, are now in Christ, in whom eh, in whom we are predestinated, those of us who are inside, there's a foreknowledge concerning us and a foreordination concerning us and a will of God concerning us to preach the gospel. Are you getting it? To preach the gospel so that many more can come in. In fact, so that all can come in. The salvation of all the world is dependent on us who have come already. So when we preach the gospel and they hear it and they make a choice not to accept it. Now, nobody dies without hearing God. Remember, angels also preach, but not our gospel. Do you know angels also preach, but not our gospel? Angels talk about God. Okay? Cornelius, Acts chapter 10. Cornelius was praying, very devout man. An angel was sent to him. There are Muslims right now who may have never heard about Jesus Christ. But there are angels who preach to them. There are too many testimonies alive. If you like, go online and check. Muslims who had, who had, had angelic visitations about Jesus. There are plenty. Myriads. So even those who have not heard our gospel have angels preaching to them because it is, it, is, it is prime. It is important. It is important. Now, someone will say, ah, but Cornelius, there are other people like Cornelius in the system. How come only Cornelius had an angel going to him? Why are you asking so many questions? <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't mind you. <laughs> okay, so, look at Acts chapter 4. We are reading concerning Jesus, right? Acts chapter 4. Verse 20, 27. Can you read this to me? To verse 28. One to go. For to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. So, God knew, foreknew the crucifixion of Christ. He foreknew the death of Christ before time began. Please, you understand? 
So that's one of the things God for you. We are talking about foreknowledge. Foreknowledge means to know beforehand. So one of the things, don't put everything together. Don't manage everything together. There are specific things that the Bible says, no, no, to God that are his works before the foundation of the earth. There are things that God has, God worked, and there are things that man works. You understand? Uh-huh. So don't say that, oh, whatever a man does is foreordained by God and foreknown by God. God knows where you could go and where you could also go. If you go this way, he has plans to mitigate your problems. If you go this way, he has plans to mitigate your problems. That's what he, but the rest is up to you. Or else you'll be a robot. Hallelujah. You would not be in charge of anything. That means that your bad wife was designed by God for you. That's what it means. It means that Hitler was foreordained by God. To do what? What's, what's, what is the purpose? What does God receive from that? Are you getting me? Uh-huh. It, what it means is that God foreordained that Judas would be the one to betray Jesus. That is what it means. And mention his name and give birth to him that you, your sole purpose, you are customized for this. You will never miss it in your life. You will never miss it in your life. <laughs> there were prophecies concerning where the person will come from. The prophecies. The Bible says, the one with, with whom I eat has lifted up his heel against me. It was prophesied before it came. It happened. So it's, it is known that one of his disciples, Mao, it wasn't just the 12. Jesus had 70 disciples. So any of them could have become something. They didn't know that they could become something. Let, let's examine the issue of Judas a little bit. Okay, can we, can we do that? Hmm. John chapter 6. Let's read from verse 66. John 6, 66. Jesus preached about his flesh and his blood being meat indeed and drink indeed. Everybody was like, what are you talking about? So from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Let, okay, go to, let's go to verse, uh, from verse 60, go to verse 60. Many therefore of his disciples, when they had heard this, said, this is an hard saying, who can hear it? When he preached that message, were, many of his disciples, not the, much, the disciples, this is an hard saying. When he just knew himself that the disciples remembered at it, he said unto them, Does this offend you? Does what I've said offend you? Next verse. What and if you shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? What, what, what will you say when you see me going right before you? Because you're my disciples, you are the one I ascend before. Remember, later on he ascended before his disciples. What will you say when you see me going? Then you throw stones at me as I'm going. <laughs> It is the spirit that quickened it. The flesh profited nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Next verse, verse 64. But there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not. He knew from the... Is he saying he knew from the beginning of creation? No. He knew from the beginning of his ministry. When the people came, because of the arts, you knew who believed and who did not believe. Why do you have to link this to the beginning of time? Yes, for Jesus knew... Okay, let's read other versions. I'm sure it will clarify it for you. That this beginning is not the beginning of beginnings. Oh. But some of you fail to believe and trust and have faith. For Jesus knew from the first who did not believe and had no faith and who would betray him and be forced to him. Have you seen it? Even the other disciples knew that Judas was still. Listen, no. Listen. 
Okay. Jesus knew from the start that some weren't going to raise themselves with him. He, he knew also who would betray him. He knew who would betray him. But actually, it didn't happen now until one day in John chapter 13. The Bible says that and Judas allowed Satan to enter his heart. Judas allowed. He had something to do with it. Judas' will was part. Judas, you see, Jesus didn't mention Judas' name here that he knew that this one. And Judas started off by stealing. He was stealing the money. He liked money. And he sold Jesus for money. He sold him for money. Not for beloved, for money. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Okay, let's, let's go back. Please, is that clear for you? That he foreknew, God foreknew the death of Christ. And it was according to the counsel of his will. I've showed you scriptures to that fact, right? Hmm. The other thing that God also foreknew is that he foreknew us in salvation. First Peter chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. Who have asked? Anybody who has come into his kingdom through the first foreknewing, which is the death of Christ. If you believe in the death of Christ, you come into the system, isn't it? And I've showed you that believing in Christ is through preaching. We announce Go to Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Romans 1, 16. You know what's Romans 1, 16, right? For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that what? It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. To the Jew first and also to the Greek, because it was preached to the Jews first. Are you here? Yeah. Everyone. See everyone. everyone. Not some people. Have you realized? I, I don't know if that is clear for you. I want to really make that clear for you. Okay, so go back to First um, Peter chapter one, verse one. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Remember, Peter was the apostle called to the Jews. In Galatians chapter two, the Bible mentions that he was called to the circumcision. It was the apostle called to the circumcision. So Peter was writing a letter to the circumcision, those who were Jews but were scattered in various parts of the world. So he says, go back, go back. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Next verse. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God, the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, Unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Now, what does this mean? Does this mean, okay, since all those of you who are, remember, he's writing to Christians, oh, I told you, he's writing to Christians. He says, all those of you who are out there that I'm writing this letter to you, you are elect of God. And your election is according to the full knowledge of God, the Father. God knew. God knew you in salvation. He knew you. That you would accept the blood says, through sanctification of the spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. He knew he foreknew you before the foundation of the earth in salvation. Please do you understand? Is it too complex? So you can't read this and say that, oh, he foreknew some people already. There are some people who were elected before the foundations of the world. To believe in the blood of Christ. No. The blood of Christ should be believed in 
the foreknowledge of God concerning the blood of Christ is that he will be crucified for all. And all who accept him will now be an, the elect that will continue the whole process with. Is that too difficult to understand? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I've showed God's foreknowledge concerning, uh, concerning Christ. Then concerning us. Okay, there are other scriptures concerning us. Let's go to Romans chapter 8 verse 30. Romans chapter 8. Let's read from verse 28 so that it makes more sense. Okay? Romans 8, 28. Shalababaya. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. To them that what? Love God. Who are those that love God? Christians, right? Now, you, you, someone will say that, oh, this is talking about all those who love God from birth. Like they were designed by God to love God. Okay, because of the sake of argument, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Let's read from verse 7. Should I help you? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There are three levels of God's love. The first level of God's love is for all, all men. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, that is why he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him, he loves who? The whole world, isn't it? That's the first level of God's love. It's for everybody. It's for the whole world. The second level of God's love is found in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. Go to 1 John 3, 3, 1, then we'll come to this. Then I'll show you who God is talking about here. Okay? Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us? Who are the us? That we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because he knew him not. Verse 2. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it does not yet appear what you shall be, but we, shall, we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So the second level of God's love is for his sons. The first one is for the whole world. How do you become a son? Receiving Christ. Becoming born again. When you come in, then he has another type of love for you, which is not like the ones out there. How is his love for those out there? He showed his love by giving them his son. By giving them his blood. Do you understand? Those who are in are different. He says, the sons of God. Beloved, now are we the... Go, 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 go to verse 1. Behold, what manner of love? The manner is so, is so serious that John said, Behold, look, prophetically, see with the prophetic eye. See what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. That we should be called the sons of God. Now, out of the sons of God, there are those who love him. Do you admit that out of your parents, there's one that you really like and love, that you tend to, to go towards more than the other? Yes, say, Anuma or Bang, Nema Ameno, Onuna or Re Abe Bang, Sre. Akukwa or Bang, Nema Ameno. The chicken that is closer to the mother is the one that chews the Abe Bang style, the grasshopper style. So I can have children. But not all my I love all of them equal. But not all of them will respond to me more. The one who responds to me more will have another kind of love. Do you agree? Yeah. Are you sure you agree? Yeah. Uh-huh. So out of the sons of God, they are those who love God. So First Corinthians, that's the third level of God's love. Those who reciprocate his love. So those who, he has plans for those who reciprocate his love. He has a foreordination concerning those who reciprocate his love. So... 
First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7. Let's go there. You see it. But we speak that is not God in the mystery, even though hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Next verse. There are things God ordained. One of them is the wisdom of God unto our glory. Which none of the prince of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. That is Jesus Christ. Next verse. What, but as it's written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love. For them that love. Did he say for them he loves? For them that love. Him. Those who reciprocate his love. So this is not for every Christian. Because not every Christian who actually loves God. How do you show your love for the Lord? By serving him. If a man loves me, what Jesus say? If a man loves me, he will keep my commandments. The fact that some Christians don't keep his word is a fact and a show that they don't love him. They are Christians, they are children of God. But his foreknowledge concerning those who love him is also different from his foreknowledge concerning those who are in. Huh. Jesus asked Simon in John chapter 21, Simon, lovest thou me more than this? If you love me, feed my sheep. I see it. Uh-huh. So but I, it, I have not seen, not, not, yeah, neither have entered into the heart of man. The things which God has prepared for them that love him. Them that love him. Them that love him. I see it. Go to the next verse. But God has revealed them unto us by his spirit. For the spirit searched all things, ye the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man, see the spirit of God that is inside him. The spirit of man which is inside him. Even so the things of God know no man but the spirit of God. Then he goes on and on and on. But he lets you know, this, this is for those who love him. If you don't love him, the show of your love. Let me show you the show of your love. John chapter, um, John chapter 14, verse 21. He that has my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. Have you seen it? The one who has my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. This is not I will come into his life. Christ is already in by the new birth. But the manifestation of Christ to you, manifestation means unveiling, apocalypse, to unveil what is covered. For Christ to be unveiled to you. There are Christians who don't know the Lord. Oh, don't you know what I'm talking about? You can be a Christian sitting here, but you don't know the Lord. I mean, you, you can pray, as you are praying, you don't have any, there's no emotion for God. Have you, have you experienced it before? Maybe you have gotten better, you have become a better. That is why we grow in the Lord. We grow in the Lord so that we can become, we can love the Lord some more. Go to verse 23. Jump to 23. Jesus answered and said unto them, If a man love me, he will keep my words. And my father will love him. So keeping his words is what causes the father to love you. So Romans 8, 28. It's not for everyone. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. Not everybody. Haven't you seen Christians who have had problems? Did it, did it work together for their good? No, no. No, just fine. They died in it. It works together for the good of them that love God. Not those who are loved by God. God loves everybody, but if you reciprocate his love, you enter another category altogether. So, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. To them who are the called according to purpose. So, your love for the Lord is what causes you to be called according to a certain type of purpose. Do you understand? It's all dependent on you, not on him. Please. 
that is when he can start working with you to accomplish his purposes. How many of God's children are into accomplishing God's purpose? Don't they know God's? They don't even know God's purpose to start with. What is God's purpose? God's purpose is the salvation of the world. You dare be there. Think that God's purpose is something else. It's the salvation of the world. We have to preach the gospel to every single creature in the world. First Timothy chapter 2, verse 4 and verse 5. Look at First Timothy 2, 4 and 5. Let's read from verse 3 so that we understand even some more. So don't, miscon- don't misunderstand the scriptures. Don't twist it. The Bible says, rightly dividing the word of truth. Let a lot of things come together for you. Do you understand? For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Who wills that all men, who will have all men saved, to be saved. All men, not some men, all men to be saved. And to come unto the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men. The man Christ Jesus. Who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Next verse. Whereunto I am ordained a preacher. I'm ordained a preacher. I'm ordained a preacher. Paul says, I was chosen for this purpose. How did Paul know his choosing for this purpose? He went through the process. He had to be born again. Then he had to respond to the call of God. There's a call of God upon your life. But if you don't respond to it, forget it. And the call of God upon your life is in salvation, not outside of salvation. Do you understand what I'm saying? We know that all things work together for the good of them that are called, that love God, first of all, then them that are called according to purpose. Let me allow you to ask questions, okay? The next thing I'm supposed to talk about will take two hours to talk about. Because that is where the, that is where the bone of contention is. The foreordination concern of God concerning Israel. Romans chapter 9 and chapter 11. But if I start talking about it now, you will lie down and sleep. You will not, you will not follow me. For whom he did foreknow, you see where it's coming from? From verse 28. And we know that all things work together for the good of them that love God, for the good of them that are called according to purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of a son. Who, are he, who, who is he talking about? He's talking about those who are born again. Are you getting it? Yeah. It's only those who are born again who can be conformed to the image of God. This is the purpose of God. The purpose of God is in many folds. The first one, is so that you come again. The second one is so that you be conformed to the image of a son. All those who love him engage and help others to get to this particular predestination that God has designated already. For those who are born again. Those who become born again. Please, do you understand? For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of a son that he might be the first one among many brethren. So God is looking for many brethren for his Son, Jesus Christ. Please, you understand? Uh-huh. So God has foreknowledge concerning various things. I've showed you the first one is concerning the crucifixion of Christ, Jesus Christ and his crucifixion. The second one is concerning those who, has, who are set and coming. The third one is concerning Israel. And you see, Israel was chosen, we are talking about election. Israel was chosen for one purpose. To bring the seed who is Christ, to the world, to save the whole world. That is the purpose of that election. So when it comes to election, there are various elections for... The meaning of the next term is election. But because I've not spoken about Israel, I can't talk about that one. But let me just give you a clue. The election, the word election means to be chosen for a specific task. That's what it means, to be chosen for a specific task. You are elected for something, for a particular task. 
So God takes this one and says, you do this one. He takes this one and says, you do this one. You do this one. It's by, by his choice. Not by their works, but by his choice. See you next week Sunday. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So I'll give room for three questions. If there's any question on your heart, because it's sometimes difficult to understand. So if there's a question on your heart, you are liberty to ask. If there's any question on your heart, there's a hand here. Please, thank you. Please, you said um, God had foreknowledge about um, Adam. So let's say Adam didn't eat the apple and all that didn't happen. Would there still be the need for salvation if he didn't do that? Not at all. Probably salvation would have meant different in a, being a different manner. That is sealed. I can't say. I don't know everything. I don't have all the answers. That's the truth. Thank you. So I can't, I can't see what has not been revealed. Uh-huh. Yes. Some people claim that some angels have come to show them what is hidden. I beg you. If an angel comes to come and tell you what is hidden, tell him, I don't know about what you're talking about. Bye-bye. See you. Yes. Okay, Please, I hope I answered you. Did I answer you? You're fine. Okay. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you. I want to ask from Romans 9, 17. Yeah. That me to Romans 9. <laughs> Okay. Pharaoh was chosen for a purpose, yes. for um, the power of God to be revealed. Exactly. It looks like that is negative. Yes. So why would God do something like that? Mm. Is it, and it is Pharaoh. It's not everybody. <laughs> so specific. Every time, this person, this person, so specific. You know, Cyrus, Cyrus was spoken, spoken of, prophesied of at least 500 years before he came. Uh-huh. Because God was sending him to come and accomplish that particular purpose. That's all. Uh-huh. So there are people that God chooses to do specific things for his glory. Like I mentioned earlier, for his glory. You understand? And God chose Pharaoh for his glory. He chose to harden his heart for his glory. And you, you, I don't know why you'd want to ask God questions about that. So when you go down, God will say, the Bible says, why are you asking questions about what God if God chooses to make this one a, 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 a vessel to Anna and this one a vessel to Susanna, what, what has that got to do with you? We are all his clothes. So if he decides that this one is a clothes meant for... That is what, these are the things I want to talk about next week. But uh, if I start, we're not close. Okay? So verse, verse 9. This, what we just mentioned is verse 17. So this is verse 19. It says, Thou will say then unto me, Why does he yet find fault? For who resisted his will? Why does God find fault? Because... Pharaoh did what God wanted him to do. So why would God find fault with Pharaoh? Then he says, <laughs> next verse. Look at the next verse. Nay, but oh man, who are thou that thou replies against God? So that is the answer for that, asking this question. Who are thou that replies that God? Shall the thing form say to the thing that formed it? Why hast thou made me thus? You get it? Uh-huh. So God, you see, at that time, God, as we know him, had vanished from the system. The knowledge of God had vanished from the system. Through Nimrod. So God began, there are three beginnings in the Bible. The first one is with Adam. The beginnings of man is with Adam. The second one is with Noah. Because after the flood, everybody went away. Noah began another beginning. So Noah, what Noah and his three sons and their wives knew is what was passed on. You get it. And they knew God. So there was no knowledge of evil in the world. Where did evil come from? I think it. Uh, it shows you that evil 
is not just something that is passed on through West. It's in the nature of man. So it showed up somewhere as they were going. And the one who it showed up in to the fullest was someone called Nimrod. In Genesis chapter, he was mentioned in chapter, in chapter 10 and mentioned fully in chapter 11. Okay? Uh, so it came, so the knowledge of God vanished in the system because of Nimrod and his activities. So God decided to choose someone called Abraham to show his knowledge through him. But he started a process. Now, did God choose, why did God choose Abraham? Did God choose Abraham because Abraham, he knew that Abraham would be a good person? No. Abraham was an idol worshiper completely. So why did God choose him? We don't know. That is where God's sovereignty comes in. You can't ask God questions concerning why he chose this one and chose the other person. Doesn't make sense why he chose Abraham. But he chose Abraham. Not because he knew that Abraham would do. If he knew that Abraham would do all of his will and hence chose Abraham, then election is not by grace anymore. Election is by works. And it is categorically mentioned in Romans chapter 11, verse 5. Go to Romans chapter 11, verse 5. These are things no preacher wants to talk about. So young people just take it and mess it up. Even so then, at this present time also, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. We're talking about Israel. So this, all this is about Israel. Next verse. And if by grace, then it is no more of works. Have you seen it? It is no more of what? Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But it is, if it be of works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. So Abraham was not chosen because God knew that he was. Abraham was chosen because God just wanted to choose him because he likes his choosing. And nobody can ask him questions about his choosing. And God chose Pharaoh because he liked to choose him to do that. So God wanted Pharaoh to reveal through Pharaoh and his resistance of God. You see, at that time, Egypt was the highest country in the world. In the world of that time. Okay? And the Egyptians had more gods than anybody on earth. <laughs> yes. He, he, they had more gods than anybody. Even the pharaohs themselves were gods. So what happened was this. God knew that if at that time he announces himself, everybody in the world will know him. So he chose to had in pharaoh's heart so that pharaoh, through pharaoh's stubbornness, his glory will be revealed. And he does everything according to the praise of his glory. But as to why he chose Pharaoh, I can't tell you why he chose Pharaoh. Like I said, I don't have all the answers. I be, that's why I began by telling you that, listen, the things that are covered, they are covered. Don't try to do unnecessary investigation. When you get to heaven, you understand the rest. Make sure you get there by believing the right thing. Because if you don't believe the right thing, you will not go there. You will, you will unbelieve in Christ after some time without even knowing that you have not believed in Christ. Remember, the Bible says that in that time, in the end, the last days, people shall come and say, I am Christ. They, you see, the Bible didn't say, they will say that they are Christ too. Hmm. It's okay. Ask your question. Thank you, Pastor, for such an insight. I, mean, I thought I knew issues concerning salvation, but in him she... Wow. She, Pastor, someone asked We are all me, learning. Yeah, someone asked me this question. He said, how about those in the very rural areas who haven't seen preachers, they've not heard anything, they've not seen the administration of angels seen in a dream, what, what if they die and go to? What if they die? Would those who end up going to hell? How is that person sure that they've, not, they've never seen any angels? They've never seen any of this? They've never seen any of that. How is that person also sure? He's, he's also saying maybe there's... there's he's saying maybe. Maybe it's not good enough. 
Okay? The first question I'll ask you is, how did the missionaries minister to those they came to meet in Ghana? Because nobody was speaking English. So how did they minister to them? And they lasted for a very short, most of them lasted two weeks even before they died. They came, mosquito bites killed them in two weeks. Uh, God, the revelation of God, let me show you something. Romans chapter 1. God will not have himself revealed to anybody. You see, on that day, he will sit as judge and he will open books. Remember, uh, Revelation chapter 20, verse 12. So he said, and I saw it from verse 11, and I saw a great white throne and him that sat upon it, and the heavens and the earth fled away from him, blah, 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 blah. And he says, and I saw books opened. Okay? And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened. And another book was opened. Many books, oh, not one. So the books that I used to judge are plenty, not one book. It's not one book. He says, and the books were opened. Books is plural, please. Books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. So one book is mentioned specifically, the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. So all the books are books that have the record of their works, everybody's works. Obia, including you. You have books of works, of your works written. There's an angel always with you recording your works. We must show. But when it comes to children of God, the works that are recorded are works for the Lord. Your foolishness is not recorded. So, look at you. Hold on, hold on. But the ones, the ones that are, there are places, for instance, hold on, listen to me. For instance, every, I'm just giving you something. Every page of that book is every day of your life. And there are things foreordained by God that you ought to, according to Ephesians 2 verse 10. Look at Ephesians 2 10. Let me show you so that you'll be wise enough and not say, ah, next time. <laughs> For we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained. So this is foreordination. Have I talked about foreordination? I was about foreknowledge. So foreordination is what we talk about. This we talk about which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. Let's read the Amplified. Go back. For we are God's own handiwork. Who are those children of God? Right. For we are God's own handiwork, his workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do those good works which God predestined. Planned beforehand for us, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time, that we should walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. So, in God's plans for today, when it comes to 28th, right? 28th April 2019, there's a page on that book that has records of where you're supposed to be, what you're supposed to do, all the things that are supposed to happen that you receive rewards for. On that day. Remember his, his purpose in your life is to deck you with jewels for his enjoyment. So there are jewels that you are supposed to receive this day by virtue of what you will do in Christ. But if you don't do any of those things, you will lose all of the things that are on that page. So nothing on that page will appear on that day. So that page is empty. It's blank. Then we'll go to the next day. Then we'll check. It's also blank. We can have, you, your whole book can be blank. Your whole life is blank. Your whole life is if like if or shit. 
it's just for drawing purposes. Nothing was written there. Do you understand? Uh, that's for Christians. So this is for Christians. But for unbelievers, every single thing about their lives is recorded. Everything is recorded. At for, at for the purposes of evidence on that day. So Revelation chapter 20, verse 12, let us know. They record everything about them. So they will judge them according to what is written in the books. So there are unbelievers who do good things. They do very beautiful things. Okay? But because they miss the first judgment, they cannot be accepted by God. And they will challenge God. That, why is it that my works... Because look at what I did. I did this. Which one of your people standing behind you, judging us, did the things that I did? I gave to the poor. I did this. I did that. I was always visiting the orphans. I, I even spent my life looking after orphans. How come it is nothing in, in front of you? Is that not a good work? Look at the next verse. Verse 13. Last verse. Go to the next verse. Verse 15. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So whatever is written in the book of works will not make any difference. But they will go through every single one of your work. So that you don't say that they didn't go through it. They will go through it and annul it for you. Because you didn't, not you, I mean those outside. (laughs) So that you know that all that you did did not amount to what Christ did. And all you needed to do was accept Christ. That is why you must preach the gospel. Anyone who preaches the word of God to you and kills the desire to preach the gospel to you is not from God. And kills the desire for you to preach the gospel is not from God. You understand? This is what I said. Anyone who preaches the word of God to you and kills the desire to preach, for you to preach the word of God, to minister Christ to the gospel to thousands and millions and your home is not from God. If I teach you the word of God, and at the end, the desire that is stirred in your heart is to sit down and celebrate how you have been elected by God, and not mind those who are out there. I've not, I've not, I'm not called from God. You understand? Because that is our number one job. That is why Christians are born again. We are born again so that we might save, we might help others become born again. But that's the number one thing that is, the devil has fought since Jesus died. If you are born again, stay in your corner. Don't talk to somebody. He will use shyness. He will use, I'm not worthy. He will use so many things to deny you of that opportunity. You know, that's the primary thing that God has designed for us to do. Hallelujah. Please, you understand? Have I, have I answered your question? Romans 1, 20. Romans 1, 20. Yeah, so I mentioned Romans chapter 1, right? God does not leave himself without a testimony. He always leaves himself with a testimony. So, let's look at Romans 1, 20. For the invisible things of God from creation, from the creation of the world, are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. How is it? So that they are what? Without excuse. Nobody has excuse. Not even one single person will have an excuse. Let's read the Amplified of this. For ever since the creation of the world, ever since what? Who do your neighbors? Yes. Ever since what? Ever since the creation of the world, his invisible nature, God's invisible nature and attributes, that is his eternal power and divinity, have been made intelligibly and clearly discernible in and through the things that have been made. That is his handiworks. 
So men are without excuse altogether, without any defense or justification, that they don't know God. They are lying. They know God. How did the heaven come to, to be? Who stretched the heavens there? If you not look into the heavens and see that, someone greater than you is the one who manufactured it. And that person cannot be the chicken statue you have in your, in your house. You know chicken statue. He cannot be... No, it is, it is very... It is very demeaning. If I put this phone here and say that this phone is Pastor Godwin. This phone is Pastor Godwin. Let us pour libation to the phone. Let us pour, in order to get in contact with Pastor Godwin, let us pour libation to the phone. Let us cut chicken neck to the phone and pour blood on the phone. Let us, what else should we do? Let us worship it. Let us dance around it. Let us do praises around it. Let us do a talk for the... I mean, how will you feel? How will you feel? I'll feel very, very down. You feel very down? Yeah, you'll be hungry. How can this be me? How can the chicken start to be the one that stretched out the heavens? Not, not your mind, correct? How can the, uh, the statue of... What? Bokolo Jama Jama. Be the one who put the stars in the heaven. How can he be the one who controls the rising of the sun and the setting of the sun? How? Why? This is my cre- the creation shows. So they are without excuse. Look at the next verse. This is because that when they knew God, they, gl- they knew God. This is when they knew God. When they knew God, eh, they knew him. But when they knew him, they did not glorify him. They saw the heavens and knew that mm, there's, there's God. But they did not glorify him as God. Neither were they thankful but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. Next verse. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Next verse. And changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and to four-footed beasts and creeping things. So the knowledge of God that they had is what they changed to make into images. That is why they are without excuse. So nobody on earth can say that he doesn't know God. He knows him. So one day, Paul went to Greece, Athens. The Athenians were worshipping, even books, they were worshipping books as God. Different people, everybody was doing everything. So he said, ah, you people are superstitious, Papa. We preached a very powerful message to them in Acts chapter 17. You can read Acts chapter 17 from verse from verse 20 thereabout and you will see what Paul said concerning the things that they were doing and how he used that to bring their knowledge to Jesus Christ and got them saved okay if salvation were not important Paul would not have risked his life for it Jesus would not have died none of all those things would have happened salvation is important and it's for all say it's for all it's for all in Jesus thank you God bless you for listening. Keep listening to the word as Christ is made the center of your world. For prayer and counseling, call 024-563-8314 or send an email to info at christworldinc.com. God bless you.